with Dr. Samuel Moyne, who helped me close out 2022, your episode 652. This is now episode 720. Last time we talked about your book, Humane, which is fantastic. And as last time, it will be in the description. It is on Audible. So for all you ADD millennials like myself, you don't need to sit down and read. You can just listen to it. And today we're going to talk about the last utopia. But for all future listeners, today's Monday, February 28th, 2022. And I'm kind of wondering how can we tie this in with the very pertinent current events of the... Uh, of Putin, Putin's, I guess, geopolitical raping of a sovereign nation and the killing of yeah. men, women, and children. And uh, there are a lot of pe- – some people are for Putin. Some people are against Putin. I'm not even going to begin to touch that so much as the <laughs> fact that it's just – I mean, as Tim Dillon, the comedian, says said the other day, Babies with cancer are being moved out of their ICUs because missiles are hitting the building. Go from there in any direction yeah. you will. But Dr. Yeah, Moyne, real that, quick, introduce yourself. Uh, Sam Moyne. I teach uh, law and history at Yale. It was a pleasure to be on uh, your show last time, and uh, it's good to be back. Thank you very much. So you're 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 the you're the expert on all of this on humane warfare on the last utopia, which about human rights. Your take on all of this? So the the current events seem to me to be like, as you say, in the first instance, a tragedy about uh, these ground rules we have, very basic ground rules uh, being broken. You can't invade somebody else's country. Yeah. Now, you know, we can debate whether those are good ground rules. It was really amazing that in the in the United Nations, the the representative of Kenya came and said, "You know, our 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 borders were drawn by Europeans, but we accepted them at the at when we became you know free and independent states, just because we understand war to be a terrible thing, and you have to have incredibly good reasons to start it. And changing borders isn't isn't a good one." Especially when, you know, they these borders have been set in stone for a really long time, and so I'm I'm basically for these rules. And if if that's if you are too, then you have to say Vladimir Putin broke broke one of our most sacrosanct expectations. You can't engage in a land grab. Now he already did that in 2014 mm-hmm. with the Crimea. Um, and now he's doing it again. But there's something else that you know I, I reflect on, which is that only a few states can break this rule nowadays. Uh, it's in the United Nations Charter, but also in the United Nations Charter is the agreement that FDR made with Joseph Stalin that their two countries and a few more just can't get in trouble for breaking the most basic rule. They have a veto in the UN Security Council, the purpose of which is supposed to be to condemn aggression. But American aggression, which is in a way much, a much bigger deal yeah. over over the last fifty years than Russian or Soviet aggression, has never been condemned uh, by the UN because the United States won't have it. 
um, the other day, Russia used its veto to block a resolution condemning Russia. And so what do we do in a world in which there's a basic rule, but some states get to break it with impunity? Um, I think we got to focus on that at some point. Now, that's a long-term problem. The short-term problem is there's a war on and people are suffering. and We have to figure out how to end the war, how to diminish the suffering. Yeah, and it's, it's also to stay aware of the fact that you know, you you just paused making dinner, and I'm sitting in a leather chair with with slippers on. We're half the world away. It's also to you know we can sit here and say, well, you know, it all started with FDR, and it's like, dude, missiles are hitting apartment buildings, you know. So it's kind of get we have to walk that line of. I do agree. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, anyone that regularly watches this podcast knows I'm about as raw raw America as you can get, but I'm also not. I'm also not ignorant of, I mean, Base Nation by David Nine, uh, David Vine, excuse me. Um, the general's Base Nation, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's just, dude, it goes back to we have been marching all over the world for decades. I mean, we just yeah. left Afghanistan. We were just there yeah. for two decades. Right. Now, now you can. Now, we invaded Afghanistan because the UN Security Council said we could. Yeah. That didn't happen in Iraq. Yeah. It sort of didn't happen in Libya. I mean, it did and it didn't, and it didn't happen in Syria. Yeah. And if you put it in a larger context, you know, the Soviet Union, after it captured Eastern Europe, invaded one place with its own troops in the whole history of the Cold War, and that was Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, they also lost, you know, the Brits lost, we lost, they lost. But then in that same time period and since, America invaded literally hundreds of places. Yeah. And since the end of the Cold War, America has in, in, actually ramped up its interventionism. Mm -hmm. Whereas Putin has gone in, into Ukraine twice now. So it's still like pretty embarrassing to us that we're not playing by the same rules that we say he should. Yeah. Now, two wrongs don't make a right, Mom said, and that's why you have to condemn him. Yeah. But what we need to look at is a system of rising intervention by great powers. Yeah. And again, these these interventions would be forgivable even if they were illegal, if they made the world a better place. But they don't. They make it worse. So that's why I think we need to, you know, care for in the short term about the, the terrible situation, but in the long term, figure out how to, you know, constrain war and warmongering. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it is a slippery slope because you think, you know, well, when was the last like beneficial intervention? I would probably say by the United States and the Soviets into Germany and then the United States into Japan and Soviet coming through Manchuria. Right, you could argue. Sure, that, but remember that. Remember, Adolf Hitler declared war on both of those countries. Well, well that's what I like. Was, we didn't just intervene. Well, that's like, what I was, they attacked us first. So. That's what I was going to set up. Was so so. Yeah. Why is that good? Well, Hitler expanded his borders, through, so it was intervention to intervention. So you could argue, correct, it's correct. Worth it. But now it's counter intervention, which is you know we all can engage in self defense. Sure, but now. You know, World War II ended with the A-bomb. We managed to get through the Cold War without it. 
now we're sitting here and do you intervene and and it's and this is like the horrible you know kind of 50,000 foot you know stone cold general in the bunker who just makes the decisions no one wants to make decision a the trolley problem right but yeah, i mean yeah. but genuinely what happens if putin feels backed into a corner nato comes yeah. in lack yeah. of my excuse my lack of formality just you know big dick energy yeah how do yeah. you not respond how does putin not respond yeah. in any way other than tactical nuclear weapons followed by the inevitable thermonuclear exchange okay but okay but i i, I that's a huge issue but yeah. <laughs> let, what the the amazing thing here is that you know even before we get to nuclear weapons everyone was in agreement before this happened that the United States wouldn't intervene into Ukraine. Yeah. They, I mean, you know, we, we basically said, we're going to let this happen. Yeah. Uh, if he decides to go, we're going to take other actions. Uh-huh. And we've already tanked the Russian economy in the past 24 hours and imposed horrendous suffering, not just on oligarchs and politicians, but ordinary people. It's like we've imposed like this, the Great Depression on Russia. Yeah. Um, through, so, so we always said we were going to do that though. And he went in anyway. I don't think, I don't think we're anywhere near the kind of like nightmare scenario you okay. portray. We're not even near like military intervention by the West okay. into Ukraine. No one's proposing that. Okay. Um, and in a way, everyone promised they wouldn't go there and just dared Putin to kind of try to take Ukraine if he, and, and if he dared to do it, they were going to let him have it. I mean, this is the amazing thing about this one. Yeah. Um, and now it's in the hands of these rebels and resistance fighters who are actually doing pretty well. Yeah. You know, Kiev hasn't fallen, et cetera. Yeah. No, you're, uh, you're acting as my therapist right now. Like everything I just said, this isn't, those are all things I don't want to happen. But right, I'm pulling I, you back from the brink. You, but it's yeah. still pretty shitty in Ukraine. Yeah. If you're just, you know, you're under the bombs. You, you know, you may be sacrificing your life in defense of your homeland. And basically, like outsiders aren't doing anything yeah. except um, tanking the Russian economy yeah. and maybe sending you some weapons eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- the th- British, th- the British Foreign Secretary. I'm in England, so I'm a lot closer. You know, I'm still not at risk, but. She she yesterday she said we're gonna let Brits go there and pick up weapons and be part of of, of like the Ukrainian resistance and then today she said oh never mind I've, I didn't mean it don't go it's but the, the that is an important point is like so you can bring me back from the brink so huh Tommy in Maryland hey you can play video games tonight and not be as anxious good it's like excuse me and it's like what about the people still in Kiev? And it's, but then you have to go. Yeah. And again, as a 31 year old biology major and not as a graduate of West Point, then you have to look at it and go, all right, we, we've, we tried appeasement in World War II. And granted, everything now is in the light of nuclear. But okay, so we, yeah. so we, so we cripple, you know, and thank God, I mean, thank God, you know, even China condemning it, right? That's, I think that's kind of a huge, that's kind of a huge sigh of relief as well. But if we said we're going to do this, Sam, if you come into my house, I'm going to I'm going to knock your fucking teeth out. I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to knock and you step across my threshold. And I, I go, he did it. And I jack yeah. you right in the mouth. And everyone goes, Tommy said he was going to. Sam still did it. 
Okay, but now what? What is my threat for your second step into my house? What happens yeah. when Putin goes, okay, I got Kiev. Let's say eventually he does just yeah. wholesale yeah. artillery salvo, slaughter, demolish Kiev. Yeah. Well, do we have another line? So so this is the scary thing because I, I think he, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows what his, you know, agenda was. I mean, at first it looked like he wanted to just protect and maybe take these eastern provinces that have more russians in them but now he's going for the capital and i think basically he's pissed that he lost a puppet government 10 years ago you know and he he wants to he doesn't want to annex all of ukraine you know the soviets did that um he wants to, to have a client state you know, in a buffer zone between him and, and the West. And I think he's going for, I, I'm just speculating, it's a non-expert, but I think he's going for Kiev in order to set up a new government that is, you know, a puppet government. Um, and I don't know how we respond to that. I mean, I guess, because we accepted that when it was, when, um, when Zelensky's predecessors were in power and, um, not much you can do about it. And again, we're, we've already said we're not going in with our own military. Um, so I don't know what our next move is. Uh, I think we just like punish the shit out of Russia and its people. And I'm not sure if that's good because, you know, on Russian state media, they're saying, look, you know, the world hates Russians. Yeah. And that, that, that creates a stronger bond potentially between you know, Putin and his people than was before. So it's, it's a kind of really tough situation. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> now to, to play devil's advocate, we wouldn't allow, and we haven't actually, we, we quite literally threatened nuclear Armageddon in, uh, in October, 1962 for getting a little right. too close to our homeland. Right. And how Correct. do we alleviate Correct. that? Hey, we'll take the nukes out of Turkey, right. Do that little back channel. Right. Yeah. Can you, can you? I did see someone post and it said it was like NATO 1990, NATO 2020, and it was like, all right, that's that's a fair, that's a that's an alternative argument I haven't heard yet. There is slow encroachment. Sure. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Is he I mean, I think it was a, a terrible error. I mean, to um, you know, dangle a, that in front of Ukraine and and basically antagonize Putin. You know, I, I think it's sad that some of these countries are where they are located. And given their histories, they have and what's happening now, they have totally legitimate fears of Russian imperialism. Yeah. On the other hand, Russia is not trying to be a great world power. It can't. Yeah. It's got a lot of petroleum uh, and, it, you know, it's selling it to the Europeans who are, you know, in, enriching a lot of, of, of oligarchs there. But I don't. I, I think we have to concede that it, you know, it's going to want to exercise some control over its neighborhood in the same way that the United States has done for centuries. Yeah. Because it's not just Cuba. It's the Monroe Doctrine, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically like this is our part of this is our half of the world. Yeah. So, yeah. So like if Putin said that now, we would go apeshit. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah. Um, it's not just Cuba. So, it's also it's also Hawaii. We're like, you can't come past this line. Of course. Yeah. Well, no, and Philippines, Philippines before that, which yeah. we we 
we gave up. No. So, but I think it's, it's, we, we are very familiar with going into other countries to install friendly governments. Yeah. And for most of the 19th century, we restricted that to the, to this hemisphere. And then after 1945, we did it all over the world. Shout out loud. Uh, now that doesn't mean two wrongs make a right. It huh. means we're very familiar with what Putin's trying to do. It's just that we're more powerful and he's relatively weak. So we, we should, we need to figure out how do we deal with this dude uh, in light of our experience with the same behavior. It's like what George Carlin said. When was the last time we brown white? Uh, when was the last time we bombed white people? When was the last time we bombed any white people? The Germans, and that's like, is they're trying to take over the world? Bullshit. That's our fucking right. job. But really, I mean, <laughs> right? Mark Mark Foden, who wrote Black Hawk Down, that's kind of how yeah. he starts the. That's kind of how he starts the engagement narration. Is is a, uh, you know, we talk about we talk about you know liberty and progressiveness and and the future of human rights and civility. But in, and this is in his book written whenever, what, yep. I think late 90s. For most of the world, he goes, power still flows from the barrel of a gun. And the United States has the biggest, baddest guns. And then he goes in and talks about, you know, why we were able to go in and, and do everything. Is that kind of the, is that the iron fist under the velvet glove? We can go, this is a, this is an outrage. Is the reality... Yeah, because we've got a, a, a $777 billion. Uh, yeah, look at the military budget. Uh, but but I would add that, you know, power has been increasingly economic for a century. Yeah. You know, there's a great scene in Godfather 3, which I think is better than a lot of people say, uh, just in passing, where the, one of these mafiosi says, look, you, you, you work with guns. I'm a financier. I've just got a better gun. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I can, I can hurt a lot more people with this form of control and power. And it's not just that America has crude military superiority. It ha also has for the, for the moment, immense economic superiority. That's why Putin is not a real existential threat in the way China is. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, Putin has no way of rising in the world. Uh, it, he can just sell gas. All all he wants is like local hegemony, and we're way beyond that. We have global hegemony. Yeah. So I'm not saying he's right. I'm saying he's wrong. But let's keep it in perspective and try to keep him in his box, and obviously condemn him for what he's doing and help the victims. Yeah. Again, yeah. I mean, and I mean, it does make it that kind of detached view does kind of make sense. It's almost like, dude, like let him have it kind of like he has nothing else, dude, let him, you know, whatever, let it, let him think he's the, he's the, I think that's a hard sell for the Ukrainians. I was about and, to you say, know, then, and then, then, then these Baltic folks get upset because they think they're next, et cetera. So I don't think you let him have it. Um, I think maybe you let him have influence there that he lacks and we pull back from the kind of influence we've been exercising, yeah. um, including through NATO expansion. Or do you just let it go dark? Do you let them take over and do we just ramp up? And again, I'm not condoning or condemning sure. this. Do we just start, go back to that old Cold War playbook where it's like, hey, we're not... No one's marching soldiers. 
but we'll just ramp right. up CIA activity and you and I will learn about it in the year 2080. Well, that's already happening, yeah. first of all, in cyber warfare. But remember, the Cold War also, while it didn't involve direct confrontation, involved millions of deaths on the periphery. Uh-huh. And the difference now is that, like, it, it, the, the commies had a global ideology that appealed to billions of peasants. And we were in competition with that idea. Whereas no one wants to be Russia. No one yeah. wants. You know, whatever Putin's ideology is, it's it's like local. And so I think it's a very different situation where it's just kind of like we have to hope that someday he goes and Russians kind of kind of claim more freedom than they have under Putin. And until then, we have to deal with this reckless gentleman who's just not that powerful in the end. He's he's obviously a threat locally. And we have to figure out how to kind of placate him, not letting him take a country, but also uh, not militarizing or getting into a new Cold War. I mean, that's my opinion, but it's sort of based on my basic premise, which is that he's not scary or threatening in the way the Soviets were. I mean, they may not have been that threatening, to be honest, because we declared war on them and they just wanted to stay in their box largely. It's just that they had a really appealing idea that lit the world on fire. Um, And they they did, you know, send guns a lot of places and trained Ho Chi Minh and all the rest of it. Now, and this is more, I guess, wild speculation based in nothing, which is the cornerstone of this podcast with only 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 occasional conversations based in fact but i mean reagan's sdi i mean lieutenant general james abramson who will not respond to my emails he's like 90 still sharp as a still sharp as attack the chief of strategic uh the, the strategic defense initiative star wars right it's been i mean i mean we're coming up on on 40 years is there maybe something that has continued to be developed and do you and I just not know about it? And the thing is, is like in terms of wild speculation, I'd actually don't think this is that wild of a speculation. If we look at yeah. 40 years later, is there something in place that that's why we don't seem to be, that's why idiots like me are freaking out about nuclear war. Are, are the joint chiefs, are they going, no, 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 it's no, we'll zap it out of the sky. Um, you know, there is Iron Dome in Israel and like, they've got that working basically, um, with our help. But I mean, I think the main difference is that in the nineties, and this is one of the very few good things about that decade in retrospect is that there was massive reduction of nuclear weapons on both sides of the former, you know, split between capitalism and communism. Now one can kill hundreds of thousands or millions. So you know, if you go down from a thousand to five hundred, you're still in a world of hurt. If a nuclear exchange begins, I don't think we have Star Wars. I think that we're we don't believe Putin would use his weapons. Um, you know, we're scared about people who are 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 madmen and you know rise to control countries like Kim Jong Il. Um, I, I assume that we we don't think we're anywhere near a nuclear exchange because that would be a very different situation. Yeah. We, we think this is like a local war 
conventional war. We're not even getting involved conventionally. Yeah. We're using these other tools, sanctions, and shutting down the Russian economy. Yeah. Um, but anything could happen. I, I, I guess, you know, your question is impossible to answer because in principle, I wouldn't know about yeah. whether Star Wars exists either. Yeah. I don't think it does, but again, I don't know. I'd have I'd have a, I'd have a lot more pull in the world if I was also privy to some special action sure. program. I'd be well. You wouldn't tell us on the podcast. No, I would Even no, if you I didn't know, I'd be killed. Yeah, maybe you're hinting that you yeah. know, but uh, if I you knew, know, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I'd get drunk on here and be like, guys, don't worry about it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we got it. Everybody, what the fuck is this right. guy doing? Now, I mean, if you really thought you could deter nuclear weapons and you had that capacity, but the other side couldn't. I mean, it would be very scary because you you would court nuclear Armageddon yeah. in hopes that you could knock the other side out while deterring, you know, the the inbound yourself, and uh, it would be a very scary world. But I don't I don't think I basically don't think that nuclear weaponry is for for use anymore, yeah. um, and it hopefully it never was, and I don't think it's part of the calculus. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was at, at this moment, at least, I mean, that was Gorbachev's that was Gorbachev's really kind of main point at Reykjavik. Right. Was like right. what this truly is, you know, Reagan saying, I want it so we our nation can't be hurt. And well, what you're saying is, is you're destabilizing, you're getting rid of mutually assured destruction. That is wildly yeah. destabilizing. And yeah. If, and if yeah. the end goal is peace, well, sure. then you wouldn't destabilize it. So that's right. But we'll st- we'll steer back from wild conjecture because I can do that forever and I can do that by myself and seeing as how I have you. Let's now do a shameless plug to Humane. If this is going to war, what yeah. is it is war right now again. I know yeah. everything I'm saying is people in Ukraine would would bite my face off and rightfully so. Yeah. Is the humane thing to do? Do we do we ship them guns? Do we ship them money? Do we, you know, we do we sanction Russia? We right, we do it in the humane way, or do you make it as brutal as humanly possible? Because right now, you know, we we're all going, oh, this is this is bad. But I mean, we're all tweeting about it. Is that have yeah. we brought it into the Overton window of acceptance versus should it be slaughter? To, and I know right. and who am I to to make that decision to end it immediately right. or to let it go on for five days, five weeks, five months. So, you know, I think it's very, it's a very fluid moment because I think most people on both sides assumed that it would be a cakewalk and there wouldn't even be time to consider other things than sanctions and tanking the Russian economy because he would just have a lightning victory. Yeah. Now that may still happen because, you know, one day versus one week is not that big a difference. And if he takes Kyiv and knocks out, you know, decapitates the Ukraine regime, then I think that's what we thought would happen. Um, and it's just taking maybe a slightly longer and it may well still happen. Um, I think that if, if it becomes um, a protracted war, Putin may try to save face and leave because he doesn't want that. And our options, as you say, would be to add another response to our economic response, which would be arming the Ukrainians or, uh, you know, I don't think we would 
come near sending our own troops, um, but we might send advisors uh, just like we did so many places around the world for decades. Um, I think that's, I mean, I, I just think that's pretty implausible right now. I think this will be over soon. And I think the main question is what's the peace going to look like? Um, my book was about, you know, how great power warfare is becoming more humane in practice. Um, America, America's has, uh, and we talked about that last time. I think Russia's has a much less. And you look at the Chechnya war, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's pretty unconscionable. Um, but even they, you know, care a bit. Um, and I've been kind of shocked by the low casualty numbers that have been reported thus far. You know, this is the territory of the bloodiest parts of World War II. Yeah, that and and you have you have um, some thousands of people who have died in three days, which is not that many. Um, the first day was staggering because I think you know Ukraine reported 137 people died, yeah. which is not a big war. Um, so I don't I don't want to kind of um, you know it, it protracted. It, war or occupation would be very brutal. And I think we should condemn Russia for violations of humanitarian law if it shoots at buildings or it, you know, destroys hospitals. Um, but the main thing is is figuring out what the end game is. What is going to be enough to buy this dude off? Um, assuming we're not going to just go beat him, which we're not. Uh, and so we've kind of, from the beginning, it was clear that the main question was going to be, what do we have to do to get this guy to kind of stop and uh, figure out what his winnings are if he wins um, and you know punish him economically? Although I'm very worried that like ordinary Russians are going to suffer even more than or Ukrainians when we tank their economy, poor people can't eat uh and you know it it will paradoxically lead to more support for putin than before uh because we're we're the ones who are actually using these tools uh to keep in effect cause a lot of suffering through economic means and so uh, i i think we should kind of think most about the end game and how to make it humane but also just yeah. as just as we can yeah which then brings back the humane thing in a question it's yeah do we go in there with overwhelming power of god force with all of nato or do you sanction and on one you have cities dead the other you have people who can't eat and they're poor yeah yeah, yeah. it's that goes back to our last episode where we just kind of jumped i think back you could forth. have other options i hate the menu with i don't go to restaurants with menus with two things <laughs> yeah. you know so i'm i'm an off the menu, I would say sanctions that target the oligarchs and Putin himself and the politicians make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing that Switzerland, you know, where, where a lot insane. of their money is kind of jo- is joining. But 
tanking their economy is a different matter because that's where like your ordinary Russian can't buy vodka yeah, and, yeah. you know, or even food. Yeah. And that's, that's not, you know, I don't think ordinary people are to blame for what their states do. They're victims too. Yeah. So I would want to like have, I don't think we should go in militarily and, and luckily, you know, for once, no one thinks we should. Yeah. Um, no one except my, maybe Mike Flynn does or someone like that. Although, you know, the Trumpists were big fans of Putin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But advocates of just like absolute military dominance probably want a military response, but no one else does. And and so we're really in the domain of what are our other choices. It is a pleasant surprise, though, to see some guy like uh, I've interviewed Joe Kent who's a very conservative guy endorsed by Trump running for uh, mm-hmm. Congress out of, out of uh, Washington state, former green beret. But he's on there tweeting. He's like, Hey, he's, he's basically holding up middle fingers going, we're not going in there. We just, he's, yeah. he said, he was like, I was, he said, he was like, I was training for special forces on nine 11. And he was like, I was young, gung ho, ready to go. His, his wife is actually killed in Syria. Uh, she was an intelligence officer oh. in 2019. So this guy, this guy can speak on it more than anyone. He's got two little kids. He's a, yeah. he's a widower. And, and he's the guy out there. And he's, he's saying, hey, we can't beat these war drums. Like, we just left last August. It hasn't even been a year. Yeah. Like, don't forget, yeah. don't forget where this leads. I mean, September twelfth, oh one. We were all going. Hey, you know what? I you know, we were all doing. I stand with Kiev on September twelfth, two thousand one. Yeah. Don't forget where that very quickly goes. Yeah. Well, I I think Americans know that they can't win wars. They start. Yeah. And they got to be much more cautious. And I think the reason why Biden, who ran in part saying end endless war like Trump did, it, it is that. It, 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 he he took military options off the table in advance because not only will they fail likely, but he knows how unpopular they are yeah. left and right. And so that we're in a kind of new world where, where, where we, we stick to these other tools. Now the trouble is that these tools are just other weapons. Yeah. Um, and we have to figure out who are we striking at to what end with what outcome. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we, we it's not like these are new. We used sanctions with Saddam before we invaded for a decade and killed hundreds of thousands of children. And tanking the economy is a big step, which would just happen in the last 24 hours because that affects your average, you know, I don't know. It's not Joe, whatever the Russian equivalent is. Your, your average Vlad. Your average, no, your average Vlad. Your average Ivan. Your average Ivan. Yeah. Ivan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's... And maybe I'm maybe I was too young I'm trying to think back to 2003 I was 13 was there this is a pretty global condemnation right like no one really questioned us going into Afghanistan immediately Iraq is where everyone started to do it though well should we yeah. you know do you go along to get along this is you're yeah. older than me is this is this not this is not the same as Iraq, where we kind of guilt tripped a lot of our coalition partners to go in with us. Is this this is a pretty seems to be a pretty global? Hey Putin, like no good. Well, you know, China abstained in the in the national the, the uh, Security Council, and wow. um, Turkey is kind of playing both sides of the street. Bold move. Uh, and 
so there's there's kind of a you know I would say it's pretty universal with some big exceptions, but you're right that um, it was it was really universal after nine eleven, and in a way, it's sad that that if there wasn't some pushback because we could have used a second thought before going into Afghanistan, given where we know that led Iraq, much more pushback, including from Americans on the street, you know, and it prompted the biggest day of anti-war activism in human history. And, mm-hmm. and I think February, 2003, but, um, you know, Bush ignored it. So, um, and, and the main thing is, the, the, the kind of structure of things is different because the American empire has these other states like the one I'm in the United Kingdom that are basically yes, men. Yeah. And they, they can, they can wriggle a bit, but they basically go along with what we say. And they went along with Iraq. Uh, Tony Blair did and the rest is history. So you're right that it's, um, you know, Russia is just weaker. It has fewer friends, um, but it doesn't have no friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get, I mean, you it basically wants another friend. That's why it's in Ukraine. Yeah, you know, it had a good friend there. Yeah, uh, and and it, because of a democracy movement, uh, they they lost that friend, and I think that's Putin's basic problem: is he wants a client state to his west. Dr. Moyne and myself are going to be murdered in our sleep by Ukrainian civilians. As our conclusion is, Putin just wants a friend, guys. <laughs> you and I, I get what you're saying. I'm just I'm making a, making a funny. But I was going to say UK. Well, they also had the seven seven bombing, so they, you know, there is kind of that general, uh, you know, totally. Middle East brown people. Of not course, good, no. But, well, counter terror. No, there was a huge counter terrorist agenda because you know a lot of people were hit by terrorists. Yeah, and there there was a good faith debate about what it was what was required to do. Um, and you're you're absolutely right about that. So uh, I think the critique of the post nine eleven wars is that they were kind of overreactions and they made the situation worse, not better. Yeah. And some of the things were just random and illegal, like Iraq, nothing to do with yeah. Al-Qaeda. Uh, and then there were some other things that were done. If you go read Putin's speech the other day, it's like a rant. You know, he mentions um, Libya, you know, where we, we got permission to go protect some people in Libya. And we took out Muammar Gaddafi and created like a much worse situation. And Putin says, well, you did that. Why am I in trouble now? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. But again, two wrongs yeah. don't make a right. And it, but it, it almost kind of seems like everything we're seeing right now is the, it's the surface level formalities. Power yeah. flows yeah. from the barrel of the gun. How come we got to do yes. it? Yeah. Because we're the United States. That's not good. I mean, if you have more guns, you, you, you know, you can, you find a lot of people who believe right is on your side. And if you're rich, you've got friends. And that's why, you know, these, it, 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 it's been so painful for these sanctions regimes to go in because think of all of the people around the world that are in the oligarchs pockets. Uh, you know, they're on the payroll. And all of those people are losing a lot of sleep right now because they're losing money. So it, it's you're right that at the end it's about guns and money, yeah, um, and not as much morality. 
Yeah. Although in fairness, what he did was so obnoxious that people are kind of are, are standing on principle. Um, and the question is like, w- w- how far are they going to go? What's the end game? You know, how do we deal with this dude? Yeah. That's what's unclear. We don't know. Yeah. And, um, I had on, uh, I have her on regularly, Claire Lopez, a 20 year CIA veteran. She actually had an interesting point. She goes, I don't think she goes, I think China just sees this as the hastening of the further destruction of Russia because China's looking at all of Russia's resources, all their timber, right. their ore right. and all their oil. Sure. I think they're sure. looking at it like, yeah, bud, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, though. I mean, you know, China needs some vassal states Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, Russia would be a good one. And, and that's why they abstained, you know, they didn't condemn Russia. They're kind of, they have a lot of trade relationships with Russia and the natural resources that Russia has are, are immense beyond petroleum. Uh, yeah. So, you, you, you know, you, you can't just, you, it, they're important enough that you can't just say, you know, we're going to build a wall around you. Yeah. They've got stuff that people want and um, they've got a lot of rich people because um, the Europeans have bought gas from these people for decades now. And, it's a tiny number of people, but they're some of the wealthiest in the world and they own apartments and, and houses everywhere. Um, Manhattan, London. So you can't just pretend they don't exist. And, um, so it, it, it's, it, it, you're right though, that China is, 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 they're the ones who really could be a kind of hegemon, uh, and Russia can't. I mean, they don't have the fundamentals, um, but China is charting a path. And if we if we get into a cold war with Russia, it's 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 a great thing for the Chinese because it's like you know the other powers are weakening each other. Yeah, it's the it's the fighting right, isn't it? It's the idea of like the cat watching the two fighting fish. You know, let's exactly let's yeah. tar each other out, and then the cat reaches in there and eats them both. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I was going to say about the oligarchs, I feel like that's maybe the way to go is if you mm-hmm. could. And again, like for the 10th time, I understand it's me sitting here speculating wildly. But I feel like if you could hit them instead of the entire Russian people, well, now you're hitting the guys under yeah. the big dog. And they're going to start yeah. looking at him going, how badly do we need Putin? Well, that was plan A. And they tried that. Yeah. And they've actually tried that for years yeah. um, after Crimea. And they've intensified it now. Um, what surprises me is that they did this other thing, which is tanking the economy. Um, because again, it's ordinary people who suffer from that. I mean, oligarchs too, but you could you could really try to isolate them. Yeah. Um, so you're right that it's that, that ultimately they are incredibly powerful, and they probably it's up to them whether Putin stays or goes in the long run because they, they hold a lot of the cards and Putin is much weaker than people think. Yeah. Um, you know, he's dependent on a lot of these relationships with these wealthy people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I keep thinking like there is just, you know, it's not, you're right. It's probably not going to escalate immediately to nuclear war because all the rich, the hyper elite in the world, they like a good war, right? Military industrial complex sits this all the time. Yeah. Nobody, they want the game to be rigged. They don't want anyone to flip the table. And that's what nuclear mm-hmm. war, nobody makes money. It's over. Mm-hmm. The whole 
every yacht, every penthouse, all the hookers. It, yeah. It's done. It's done. You don't want that. You yeah. don't want the game to be. You don't want to pull the plug on the on the on the Xbox. But right. so, I do see. You know, if Putin wanted to save face, he could with conventional weapons. Don't forget, you know, the United States has the Moab, right? The mother of all bombs, the largest non-nuclear weapon. Yeah. Well, that's actually second yeah. to to the Russians' thermobaric bomb, which is the largest. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, they passed us in I think two thousand seven. Doesn't really get talked about, but it's not nuclear. Right. They have the TU the TU sixty or the TU one TU one sixty, which is an analog to our B one bomber. It's a supersonic stealth bomber. They have right now. They're using I think T ninety and T eighty tanks. They haven't they haven't started to touch their their nine thousand T seventy two tanks. Yeah, no, it's 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 a major mobilization, but they've got a lot of powder dry. They could just to save face, sure. they could still this sort of feel good ghost of Kiev, Snake Island, everyone making yeah. Maltovs, this could very quickly yeah. go to he didn't use nukes, yeah. but all Kiev yeah. is gone. I mean all well, of right. it is gone. No, no, they they well, so this is what's fascinating about this situation, which is that you know, the first thing you do is you knock out the the air the air force and the air Very defenses, yeah. and and you achieve dominance air, aerially. And he didn't do that, you know, immediately. Um, and then, I mean, you're also depend with all this stuff. You're dependent on the roads, and there are these massive convoys now. These trying to send in a lot more troops that were basically waiting on the border. But it's it, you know the logistical challenge of war is obviously you know something that neither of us should probably talk about, but we know it's, we know it's, it's yeah. major yeah. and it's easier said than done to just conquer a country. Yeah. Um, so it, it, but you're right that he has not played all his cards. Yeah. And if he does, he, he, I don't think he wants to, I think he, he wants to force some kind of, he wants to decapitate the regime, install a friendly government, maybe get a couple of provinces, uh, annexed and and go home you know he has no i mean what would the interest be in in wiping out ukraine yeah um how does he benefit not at all it's i mean it's a guy like and that. he needs a way back i mean we need to give him a way back and we need to, him to kind of concede some things for us to cancel the you know the sanctions and yeah you can't back him into the it's the sun Tzu quote and again, yeah, yeah. You, you and I yeah. are the last guys that should be doing military doctrine. We have no idea what we're talking about. But yeah, the Sun Tzu yeah. quote, you know, uh, build a golden bridge for your enemy to retreat across. You don't want to push exactly. it all into the corner. You want to you want to push it all into the corner and then have a little air valve. Let it come out. That's right. Let it come out. I think they're thinking about that. I just yeah. don't think we're, we're we're in the early days and he hasn't decided how, how much, uh, you know, uh, how much of a blow he wants to inflict. Yeah. And we 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 have to assess what what we're willing to let him have, yeah. And where where we're going to say no, and in exchange bargain with him, yeah. Um, and I think that's their only real really important conversation, other than you know helping the, the short term victims and yeah, obviously condemning the aggression. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and I know I got to let you go in a, in a couple minutes, but. I was thinking, you know, again, from my limited mindset, do you do all this? Do you go to take the mile? Because if you try to take the inch, they say no. But if you attempt the mile yeah. and then you come back and go, hey, yeah. I'll take the inch. Do they yeah. let that happen? Yeah. 
Does, does he go, all right, yeah. give me the two little regions, I'll leave you alone? I think so. I think so. Um, and we, we just don't know what the inch is. Is it a friendly government? Is it those provinces? I don't think it's the provinces because what, you know, yeah, what do you get out of that? Having more land. Well, then you're even closer to the West. Yeah. I think, I think what he would like is a friendly government. And I don't think we should let him have it. But if he wins the war, we might have to. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's um, what are what are some things we haven't touched on? I've I've kind of been teeing up stupid questions all day, which is my specialty. No, no, this yeah. is this is we this isn't this is not about my writings. It's yeah, yeah, an emergency yeah. episode about yeah. the state of the world right now. And yeah. I, I think we're we're in suspense because we don't we're we just don't know enough about what's going to happen. Yeah. And we'll have to revisit it once there's more clarity about the course of the war. It'd be like talking about, you know, Yalta in, in 1941. It's just way too early. We haven't had Midway. Yeah. We haven't had Stalingrad. So, you know, once those events happen, then we can kind of figure out what the end game is. I was going to say, I, I, I'm going to email you after this. I was going to say, I might need to have you on here a couple more times for some correspondence <laughs> as this as this develops. Because it's, uh, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Anytime, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to the Himalayas in April, so hopefully it's uh, over by then. But yeah, March, I'm around. Hopefully, hopefully it's over by Well, then. it won't affect that, but it's just I'll be off the grid. And, yeah. you know, yeah, you uh, can, luckily, not many people need my guidance, but yeah. I will be not, I won't be able to provide it. You will be watching the mushroom clouds from 30,000, yeah, 26,000. No, I'll, I'll be safe. Yeah. yeah. I'll have a good view of it all. You will have the best view of they're it not all. Gonna, they're not going to nuke, you know, they're not going to nuke <laughs> Annapurna. Yeah, yeah. Unluckily, you're you're gonna find no strategic it. value. They're just you know some sherpas out there. Little do we know, there's like a NORAD there, and it's number right. one on the targeting list. And we'll be like, yeah, well, Doctor Moyne perished <laughs> yeah, right. in the opening shots of World War Three. That's right. Vapor. Yeah. yeah. Well, if so, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, it was nice knowing you. Well, I was gonna say it's kind of like um, which was the the Marvel movie where they're like picking up the whole city at the end or something. It doesn't matter. But it's Captain America and uh, whoever, okay. and, and Scarlett Johansson, and they're standing up there, and they're like, you know, there are worse ways to go because they're on the city, and they're like miles up, and they're looking. You see the clouds, and it's like there are worse ways to go. I was just thinking, I just see you like sitting up there with some Sherpa who doesn't speak a lick of English, and you're just like, there are worse ways to go. Is you just see the inbound shockwaves sure. from megatons? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least That'd live be, stream yeah. it so I can get a viral video. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. All right. Well, Dr. Moyen, we are coming up on. All right. Great to talk again. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Absolutely. We are coming up on 50 minutes on the mark. So I'm a man of my word. Everybody listening. It's the impressive. Last, yeah. The last utopia, which we really didn't touch on at all. We will have to actually touch on that. And uh, Humane, which is on Audible. Last Utopia is on Kindle, but you can get your iPad. You can get it to read it to you. Uh, put those both in the, both in the description. And uh, as always, man, it's fun to shoot the shit with you. I like playing both sides with you. And uh, at least when I have you on, it gives my rantings a little more credibility. It's like, here's the Yale professor. Now I can start screaming about Star Wars. And people are like, well, there is a Yale professor there. So, you know, if it's just wow. me. It's over. You're my you're my token of I'm like, here he is. Smart guy. All right. Now let me go. So no, no, we all know what we know. And you know a lot. Yeah. And it's a pleasure to interact. Thank you very much, man. I love having you all on. Right. And uh God, I hope everything works out well. Probably will. If it doesn't, yeah. we probably won't know. So yeah. God bless everybody. Right. Stay safe. Dr. Moyne, right. I'll send you see this you one when it's up. Winter. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll All see right. you. We'll, we'll share MREs. All right, man. <laughs> Take care, Recording dude. Recording stopped. Peace.